Hello. Hi, John. Oh, hi there, Merlin. Good morning. Oh, it is a good morning. Just yeah. a splendid morning. Yeah. Wish the air would move more. Your air isn't moving? Yeah, I don't like to talk about the weather, but, you know. Yeah, I know you don't. I don't. Um, But you know what it's like here, usually. And I don't know. It's just, it's 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 muggy. Yeah. And, but, you know, and again, you, you can't complain. This is, this is, it's hot everywhere, but I'm just saying, it's, it matters because it's me. Yeah, you you wish it would move a little more, and that's that's perfectly understandable. Yeah, <laughs> I run fans because I'm a big believer in uh, ventilation. Uh huh. But like, you can't do that when you're when you're making uh, audio for the internet. Oh right. Although what's in the show is in the show. You know that's true, and uh, I think I've embraced that pretty well. I mean, obviously, I've embraced that sort of existentially, but also, uh, you know, in a very realistic, uh, hands-on sense with the uh, the various uh, roadwork things. There's new roadwork things that I think are fixing to start now, so we'll get to embrace that soon. Oh, you're not talking about the uh, the famous roadwork podcast with Dan Benjamin. You're talking about actual work on the road. I don't know. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Do you right. have Do you have a preference? <laughs> Uh, you know, <laughs> you know what you said before applies to both things. So the yeah. oh, PG and E is coming out for you guys too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, Anything I, I, I had a nice visit with the PG and E guy this morning. A, a guy you know already? No, 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 no. I just you, 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 I, John, as you know, you and I are both both uh, well, for better or for worse, we're, we're guys who who talk to people, talk to workers. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And yes. I heard this kachunk kachunk, and he was out there with his uh, staple gun, stapling up new signs. And just we had we had a little visit about that, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I commiserated a little bit about the difficulty of project management. And he's like, yeah. And and I quoted Marco Arment with uh, one of the greatest quotes I've heard in the last five years. I said, I said, you know, I picked up something from a friend of mine that's that's been really important to me. My friend says, uh, it's not my fault, but it is my problem. Yeah. I said, that's really what parenthood and project management is all, all about. So anyway, I said, I said, I said, you know, good hunting, good stapling. <laughs> and uh, I hope you don't get... Uh, to hope you don't get your dates pushed out, you know? Oh yeah. You don't want to, you don't want your dates pushed out. Although if you work for PG&E, you're going to get paid either way. But you know, it's, I, when I think about my short pseudo career as a project manager, I mean, I, I know I, I got giddy with what I learned, but I don't think I ever got like great at it. I never had Mm. the people skills to be great at it, but there are immutable things about project management that I think a lot of the population either kind of overlook or don't aren't fully aware of. You're like, saying that you want to, once a project gets going, you want to get it going and then get it done. Yeah. Yeah. But like the, I mean, this is boring, but like it, it's not, it's, it's, well, it's boring because life is boring oh, in some ways. Life. Do you know what I'm saying, life. John? It's yeah, life. Hashtag cause life. But like, I mean, you could take even the most, even the simplest example would be something, let's say, involving cooking, where you can't serve the food. Let's say you can't have spaghetti dinner. Let's say you're going to have a, a campfire spaghetti party okay. uh, in your kitchen. And yeah. you can't serve the food till it's all been like plated. It can't be plated until the food is cooked. It can't be, you can't like put the sauce on the pasta until the pasta is done. Can't cook it until you get it. Am I right? You are way ahead of me. Yeah, you, yeah. What are, you, you're a project manager. You understand this. When we talk about a date pushing out, what you're saying is, well, all of those things, to quote the Mythical Man Month, it takes nine months to make a baby, no matter how many women you put on the job. And just <laughs> if you forgot to buy Paschetti, like that's that's going to push your date out vis-a-vis dinner. Right. These are, these are immutable laws. Yes. I mean, this is before we even get into the whole project management triangle and the idea that, you know, when you, when you, shorten one of the sides of the triangle, the other ones have to lengthen because that's how triangle do. That is how triangle do. If you cut the if you cut the budget, you're going to, have to reduce the features of the quality. You get the immutable laws, but then you get into mutable laws. A mutable law. A mu- oh, that's just a law, a law that can be muted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Immut- mutable mm-hmm. laws. Mutable laws. That, is that a kind of like a, would you call that, uh, I'm a little over my skis here. Would that be a cultural moray? What's a mutable law? Is that one of those military intelligence jumbo shrimp type situations? 
If it's mm-hmm. mutable, is it still a law? I guess if you're rich, am I right? Uh, laws are mutable if, uh, well, a, a lot of things. Um, you know, I noticed, uh, well, I spent, I spent quite a bit of, um, uh, you know, mutable just means, um, liable to change. Yeah. Right. And, uh, when, when I, uh, when I was, uh, I spent some time with some military people recently and right, right. they, they used the word culmination all the time. Oh God. Tell me what that means. Culmination. Anything they, they, it wasn't just the ending of things. They want things to culminate, to come to an ending, to, 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 to uh, be caused to have an ending. Well, but to have all of the components realized in right. a culmination, it's not just that it's an, en- it's not just an end. It's not a hard date or it's not the accomplishment of a, of a single goal. It's a culmination of all the factors that all kind of arrive at the same place at the same time. Which is very much the situation with this. When I say road work, I mean, just in, in brief, like this, in, this encompasses so many things uh, that involve replacing streetcar tracks. It Ooh. involves, uh, yeah, yeah, it involves. So basically, you know how it is if you're going to, my friend Chris Coldren, hi Chris, my, my friend Chris, when uh, he was my Sherpa for getting a VW uh, bus, and mm. when, when we needed to change the gaskets on the engine to get out the scissor jacks, pull out the engine and change the gaskets, he's like, as long as you're pulling the engine, here's two or three other things we ought to do. Because oh, you don't want to okay. have to go pull out the engine again for something that you should have caught before. If you're going to dig up a bunch of a pretty major thoroughfare, there's so much coordination with the order you do that in and thinking about how it pushes stuff out. You know what I mean? And oh, culmination, yeah. I really like culmination. And and the thing where I misunderstood it, but I think it's still a smart point is if you're a project manager, you know that, um, I don't mean this to sound like, like aggressive or ego assertive, but like things must be pushed as in like things don't just happen, John. Things hmm. must be caused to happen. And if things involve, back to, you know, it's not my fault, but it's my problem. Like if you have to culminate, if you have to be there for the culmination of something, think about this. I mean, people aren't sitting there. Everybody who's wanting your time or attention is not collaborating on how busy you are this week. You have to be the one who steps up. Think about the medical stuff and being your project manager for that stuff. You're the person who has to coordinate all of that. Whether or not you have the skills for a given culmination, you have to be the one that manages all of that because it's very unlikely that happenstance will cause that to turn out the way you want, in the time you want, at the budget you want, in the way that you want. Mm. And I, I love that sort of proactive idea of culmination. Culmination. Like yeah, yeah, it's... Uh... I think about it a lot. You know, when, when, uh, when the, bi- when the baby was small, um, uh, the whole business of, uh, swaddling it, <laughs> the, 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 uh, the five S's, the, <laughs> the, the pediatrician always described it as collecting. You want to get the baby collected. You want to collect <laughs> the baby and then you can you want to get the baby packed if you like. Yeah. You, but you also want to collect yourself. The whole situation, you want to collect the situation. And so the baby does want to be collected, right? It wants its arms pulled in. It wants its feet. You know, a baby will sit and kick and thrash. People and- people think you're being mean when you swaddle. But oh. the fact is a dumb baby will smack itself or flap mm-hmm. around. It has no control over its dumb limbs. And it'll flop around and it wants to be culminated. It does. It wants it. It, wants it that- craves culmination. But as I would collect the baby, I would also I would also feel like, now we're all getting collected. It's the collection is happening all around because when the baby gets collected, it also, you know, it, it, it reverberates out. And so I think you need to get collected before you culminate. Col- collection often precedes culmination. Yeah. Yeah. I Coll- think so. And collection could be, um, I, I hope you can forgive me. We've had a long relationship. I mm-hmm. hope you can forgive me. I sometimes feel like I'm, I'm the last person that cares a lot about what words mean. Uh-huh. And the well, nuance, but are you being are you being ego aggressive now? I'm being a little ego assertive, okay. but okay. the so but the um, assertive. Yeah. I'm being something for sure usually. But you know, it's 
I think these subtleties and these distinctions are valuable for a lot of reasons. One is that sometimes a very specific word does mean a very specific thing. Yes. Yes, to the exclusion of other things. Yes. But I also like the idea of making people slow their roll and think about that word you just used. And this, this is so true with corporate jargon, where we get so used to saying things like, oh, is this project going to be needle moving? Or is mm. this, oh God, I, I saw one the other day because people on the internet know I dislike these kinds of bad, silly terms. Uh-huh. I think, what was the word? Canada? I think somebody said, I'm candidating this for prioritization. And really, really full points just for prioritization because there's really only one priority. That's fine. But um, the, the, cani- <laughs> but the <laughs> candidating is, candidating. is... But the thing is, when you get... You know what I'm saying? Though? When you get into, especially some in-group that you're part of, and you start saying all these words and they all flow off the tongue and you say stuff like, you know, and that is a phrase, an adjective that I learned once is, will this project be needle moving? They didn't say, will this project move the needle? They said, will it be needle moving? So yeah. it's like, it's like an analogy and a metaphor sort of. And it's like, yeah. I feel like you say to people, hey, look guys, slow your roll. Let's talk about culmination. And mm-hmm. like, well, I'm not trying to generate jargon here. What I am trying to say is that when we, w- these nouns get so flabby unless they are sort of um, imbued, inspired with the right amount of verb inside of that noun. And so like, I think there's a difference between a project, you could say that a project is done when that project has been A, completed correctly. You could say that when it's been completed poorly. You could say it when it's been abandoned. You could say it when it's been forgotten about. Those are all complete in a certain kind of way. They're complete in an organizational sense in that no one's doing anything about it. But I think when we take that first person transitive out of what we're doing and just kind of like, you know, slalom ski over jargon, like that's when shit goes bad. You got to figure out who, you know, who did what to whom, you know, with, with the wrench in in the, in the den or whatever. Mm Mm-hmm. It's, I think words are good, John. They can be good. I, words are also, as, as, as uh, the TomTom Club said, you know, I think they, they might be the ones that said words are stupid things. Oh, right, right. But we need L- them. Lies, lies, lies. Yeah, that was Thompson also twins. a yep, Those yep, are yep. words. My girlfriend passed out at a Thompson Twins concert. And did you revive her or was she carried out on a stretcher? No, she culminated on her own. Somebody okay. was piercing somebody. It was, like, you know, those years of like, oh, we're still not sure. We're the punk rock kids in Tampa and we go to shows and somebody decided to pierce somebody else's ear with oh. a pin. With a oh, pin, and she they're pa- going to get infected. Out. That's going to get infected. Yeah. Oh, oh. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, I, man. I hear a lot of stories because uh, my daughter ha- was told when she was very young that she was going to get her ears pierced, not before her 12th birthday. And Oh, this, I, is, well, this, is, uh, this is known. This is ape law. Yeah. This was her mother that it said- had, oh, Wait, let me, no. do, let, me, let me take her past this. <clears throat> It had been determined mm. that people in our household do not get their ears pierced before the age of 12, something along those lines. Yeah, that was the key. And it, and it happened, you know, because a lot of her friends had their ears pierced when they were born, uh, you know, her friends of the, of the Catholic faith. Well, uh, and like, and like, like I, I know kids, I want to say like, I don't know, Philippines especially, but like there's kids from certain countries where it's like, you always get a baby girl's ears pierced. Yeah. And so you her, don't have to put a bow on her head and explain that it's a girl. <laughs> Her her little Mexican uh, best friend had her ears pierced from the day she was born, and um, <laughs> they include that now. It's part I mean, of it package. was just like it's just like a pow. Yeah, and so she's always been curious <laughs> Cut about the cord, it. pierce the ears, and she's very fancy. You know, she wants to and clip on earrings. Let's be honest, they're uncomfortable. And yeah, so, oh boy, it was probably when she was seven or eight she started to be like that ear piercing day is coming up, and it's like nope, it's still five years away. But now she's six months out. Oh, boy. And that's, in some ways, the toughest time. And do you so let it slip or do you stick to uh, stick to your earring guns? Oh, there's no slipping because, you know, you make a law, you got to, it's a law. It's, it's immutable. But we talk about it a lot now uh-huh. because it's on the horizon. It's like, when I get my ears pierced, I'm going to X. When I get my ears pierced, I'm going to Y. But she has a lot of friends who have recently gotten their ears pierced because I guess some families... You know, you can't, I don't know how they do it in your family, but some families, Inside you know, the 12th year, maybe. Yeah, it's like 11 and a half. Mm-hmm. You can get it at 11. And so what, what, we have con- what we've concluded 
is that if you get it done at the mall, you're almost certainly going to get an infection. And so really, place, yes. So is the that place to do it, well, that's everybody we know that's gone to the, everybody, no, wait a minute. Everybody we know that's gotten an infection, got it done at the mall. That's mm-hmm. not to say that everybody that got it at the mall got an infection. Yeah, can't prove a negative. But what the, what we do up here in the Northwest <laughs> is you take your daughter to the piercing and tattoo place. Oh, interesting. So that's like a full, that's a whole like experience. Oh yeah. Cause they got their yeah. shit together there. They got the autoclaves and they're like, that's all they do. The piercers just do the piercing. It's not like somebody at the cash register who's comes around and is like, oh, right. yeah, it's somebody who's also half time at Sunglass Hut. Right. It's not that. It's like somebody that's like, oh, you want a piercing? Like how many and how big? And so we've started talking about that. Like, well, we're going to go to, you know, the kick ass tattoo parlor piercing spot. And so that's now great, she's that's a great name. She's really thinking about that a lot. Like, okay, well, is, she, well, is, she, is she looking forward to like that, that, I don't know, uh, for some reason, what am I thinking? I'm thinking of that D&D, not D&D, but that RPG Thieves world. Like, I'm imagining, is it like one of those, like, is it Diagon Alley kind of situation? Is it going to feel a little bit, not seedy because they wear gloves and stuff, but it's more exciting than going to the mall, huh? Well, yeah. And she's got a furrowed brow and she's stroking her chin about it. Like, okay, right. At the mall, you're surrounded by pink plastic, you know, la la. Because those mall stores are just full of garbage, pink plastic yeah. lala, right? Uh, it's got worse than ever right now. But if you go to the piercing place, you walk in and it's just like, okay, all senses on and everything it, happening. It, it's more like a bar than going to the right. limited. Right. It feels adult, right? And in uh-huh, fact, sure. I, will, I will call ahead and say, hey, I'm bringing my 11-year-old in and they're going to go, <laughs> great, no problem. Give me your, give me your, give me your scuzziest uh, piercinator. But you know, I would alert them in case like, okay, so probably no genital piercings on the next table while she, oh, you know, right. she's getting her ears done. You get a private booth. Like when you get a toupee. Yeah. Hopefully. I mean, I've never had a tattoo. I never had a toupee. Well, I've never had either a tattoo or a toupee or a tattoo pay. You know what, John? Never, I don't have a tattoo or a toupee and I don't at this juncture because things can always change. Life is mutable. Yeah. But I don't at this point see myself wanting to get either one of those. No, I remember early on, early on in mm-hmm. my life, 16, 17, I had a friend that got a tattoo of a skull in a top hat smoking a joint on the front of his arm. Is that and a was, rolling paper logo or Grateful Dead? It, what is that? It sounds familiar. Yeah, it is. It's it's like a, I think it's a top tobacco except turned into a skull. And he was not a hippie. He was a punker. And so it was some kind of, yeah. uh, he meant it to something. We can include that in the footnote that explains his tattoo. But we were talking and I was like, a tattoo, you say? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, how did you even get that? You're too young. And he was like, oh, you know, where I come from. Yeah. And, and, uh, and I was like, so what's the deal with it? And he said, well, you know, part of it is just like, you know, I own my body. Like, it belongs to me. I can do what I want. Like, it's part of like asserting my ownership over myself mm-hmm. because he was a, you know, a lot of the kids that, you know, at 16 years old who are punk rock, they're the smartest kids in the school, but then they all go. Right. Well, and that's exactly the kind of, I mean, I, I, I'm not about to criticize tattoos and people with tattoos, save your email. Mm. But what that person is saying that sounds like silly teenage shit is the kind of thing every teenager thinks, mm. but doesn't necessarily say well, eventually they stop saying it, at least. But no, I, I understand that. And yeah. like, especially if you've been through, especially you've been through traumas, you've survived something you think you survive. Like, where the idea, though, of going into a tattoo, what we used to call tattoo parlor, <laughs> tattoo mm. shop, the idea of going in there and treating it like Denny's and say, I'll have moons over my hammy, that's, I, I, I would like to think, because I'm old-fashioned, that a modern person would have a very specific idea in mind about something that's special to them. Right. Yeah. You wouldn't well, just go in and say, like, give me number, give me seven A. This this friend, James, who is still alive against all odds and a lot Good of Good for uh, James. Yeah, and a lot of the people that we knew at that time are not still alive. But he is, and he works, as far as I know now, he works in dirt. Like he is a custom dirt person. Like he's if a you dirt want, man. If you want a certain kind of dirt, like he's sure. a 
Big deal. Like I learned about sand a few years ago. You know, sand's a big deal, John. Oh, I know. Sand's and a big dirt, deal. And it's a, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things like agriculture where you learn like, wow, society really turns on uh, on oh, sand. Yeah. They mine sand and then there are places that don't have any sand anymore. And then anymore you run out of sand. And now with dirt, sand. are we talking about- uh, Oh, different kinds of dirt. Oh, I mean, all the great dirts. Yeah. You go to a place, you get all, all these different dirts. You get a bespoke dirt for what you need for your Beaufort scale and stuff like that. That's exactly right. I got it. But but when I was talking to James and he was telling me about ownership of his body, I realized something about myself, which is that I kind of feel like I'm leasing my body. And You're not, leasing your body. Yeah, and I'm not ready to put any permanent markings on it because th there might be a surcharge oh, like maybe later. Like a, like a couch or a high-five from a rent-to-own place. I mean, a little bit. Like if you put a big scratch on the thing, you got to take it back at some point and be like, I'm yeah. sorry. And so I didn't, I never wanted to like do any, any customization or big mods because I wasn't sure who was going to come later and be like, Hey, you know, that was a, just a loner. Mm -hmm. So, and I still feel that way. It's like, Oh, what would I, I mean, I could get tattoos now, but what would I, what would I say? And, and also what would I say when I turn it back in and I'm like, ah, sorry, I put. I put some it's, and, and, look, and for the third time there. we return to the, uh, is your it's not your fault but it is your problem mm. you know when your leased automobile automobile <laughs> when your leased automobile gets gets dings and dongs and like they don't care whether on the one hand you go like oh yeah you obviously are the one who put that KQED sticker on there you know you have you have narrow bones but yeah. like if you've got a ding in your car they don't care who hit your car how it happened whether it's your fault. Right. You're still going to be on the hook for that. You're on the hook, right? So even right. your accidental dings and scratches, and I don't know, it'd be interesting to do a full rundown one day marathon episode here where we go through all the things that are wrong with your body and whether it was your fault. But yeah. like if you got a big, a big a tattoo that says, uh, you know, hello, my name is John on it. Yeah. You're definitely going to lose your deposit. The problem is I've thrashed it just accidentally. Like I've gone through so many bushes. The paint is all scratched up on the sides. I hit my rear view oh, mirror. You know a couple what? Probably, of times. I bet you. I bet you uh, scraped up the the um, the hubcaps, parallel yep. parking, just yep. really just day to day. This is what happens when you have a car, kind of stuff. Yep. Yeah, the rims aren't original, and mm -hmm. I, you know, and I couldn't find the old ones. You know, mm -hmm. I look. I looked. Those are so, costly. Cost more than you yeah. think. Yeah. So when I turn it back, I'm I'm in trouble anyway. You know, I might as well get knuckle tattoos that say like peace and love or whatever or fuck and you or or <laughs> jet jake and elwood like Could i could see a list of four letter words <laughs> <laughs> this episode of roderick on the line is brought to you in part by squarespace you can learn more about squarespace right now by visiting squarespace.com slash super train friends squarespace is the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online you can stand out with a beautiful website you can engage with your audience and you can sell anything, your products, content you create. You can even sell your time. This is true. This is new, and it's true, and it's amazing. It's Squarespace. Okay? All right. Well, maybe, maybe you're out there, well, what some people call creative. I, I, I would call, I would not use that word. I would say people who make things, right? But, but maybe have a lot, that's what a lot of us do, and you need a website for that. Squarespace wants to help. And, you know, it's bringing together a lot of the old and the new in a way I find very invigorating. Remember blogging? Does anybody remember blogging? Well, you can create a community on your Squarespace website with a fully integrated commenting system that supports threaded comments, replies, and likes. You can use their powerful blogging tools to categorize, share, and schedule your posts as well. This is amazing. This is like stuff from the future where, where, where we all will spend the rest of our lives. You know, uh, you may, may know this. This is huge. This is, this is huge. All Squarespace sites are optimized for mobile. That means that the, the content on your pages will automatically adjust so that your site looks great on any device or dingus. That used to be an entire se separate career. Squarespace does that for you. Uh, maybe you want to save time with uh, cross-posting. You want to get your message out there. Well, it's built right in. Squarespace can auto-post your content to Twitter, Tumblr, or Facebook, personal or brand pages. All post entries and images are optimized and tagged, so descriptions and titles will be correct wherever you are posting. You know, and let me just put in my own personal word for uh, for Squarespace. It's like my friend Marco says, you know, you can pay me to talk about it, about it, but you can't pay me to like it. Well, I like it, and I'm going to talk about it. So, you know, can't two things be true, right? I've used Squarespace for a very long time. And in fact, you are using it right now. I mean, definitely over 10 years. Roderick on the Line, our podcast that you're listening to right now, is hosted on Squarespace. And that's over 10 years. That's a very long time. You, you could have a child that's almost done with elementary school at this point. Mine's older than that. So, you know, it's, it's horrible. 
you know, having a kid. But Squarespace can't help with that. It's not their problem. They want to build it, uh, build it beautiful is what they say. So right now, do me a favor. Go and head, head over to uh, squarespace.com slash supertrain. And you can get a free trial. Okay, free trial. No credit card required. You go in there. When you're ready to launch, right? You're ready to take it and put it live. Push the big red button. I don't know if there's a big red button. Uh, terms and conditions apply. Use the offer code supertrain. And that's going to save you 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. Once again, please, squarespace.com slash supertrain, offer code supertrain. They've been great to us. They're going to be great to you. Um, and our thanks to Squarespace for supporting Roderick on the line and all the great shows. Well, all you have to do is drive, <laughs> drive around town and, and, uh, and look for tags, right? All the taggers, they all have four-letter words. And you oh, just really? find the right tag. You just find the right tag. Get a tag. Yeah. 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 Find the right tag. Yeah. I, um, I... Uh, it really passed me by, John, the whole tattoo thing. But you yeah. know, um, okay. So, so here's another thing. Okay, so, um, um, qu- qu- question here. So, and now I'm gonna do that thing, that thing that, that makes people roll their eyes a little bit. When that thing talk- that you do. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, you mm-hmm. know that was written by uh, by the guy from Fountains of Wayne. Oh, nice. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Adam Schlesinger wrote that thing you do. He also wrote the very some of the very good songs for Josie and the Pussycats. He wrote the songs for that very good Rachel Bloom show, um, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Yeah, he had, I, I watched a really good YouTube video about it. He had a whole, like, it's one of the ring things that broke up the band was that he was getting all this work writing, quote-unquote, fake hit songs. For Is movies. he the one that died from COVID? Yeah. Oh, that sucks. And it was my first COVID death. Yeah, it was a lot of us, right? It and then was I started because I was—you, I don't know if you remember this, John. Uh, I'll speak for myself. I was very emotionally vulnerable in the spring of 2020. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and I think it was early April. He died of COVID. Like it happened fast. Like he yeah, used to back in the day. And like, I don't know. I mean, I, they're not my favorite band, but like I adore welcome interstate managers. Uh, and I like the red dragon tattoo one too. But anyhow, for some reason, you know how it is, John, some, sometimes something just really hits you. Yeah. And that really hit me. And it's not just because, you know, we're roughly the same age. It's just more like fucking bullshit, man. Like that, and so I started doing a thing where uh, on my way to work every Monday, I would listen to Mexican Wine, which is my favorite Fountains of Wayne song. And, and sometimes I cry a little bit when I listen to it. Aww. Yeah. Yeah. He was killed by a cellular phone explosion. Ugh. You know? Um, anyhow, you know, I'm, I'm pretty Fountains of Wayne adjacent. Because oh, because of uh, the drummer. Brian Young played on the first Long Winners record, but also Chris Collingwood and I did a... Uh, did the like the first he was on the first Joko cruise and we became very no kidding good friends on that cruise I liked him a lot we liked each other we we collaborated so this is like after he's cleaned up and yeah, yeah. he's kind of like a grown up playing country music at that yeah point. and he's a sweet guy I really oh I love to hear that because he I, he always seems a little like he could be a little bit taciturn you know whenever you're mm-hmm. like looking at a dyad a Lennon and McCartney kind of setup or you know a a, a you know uh. <laughs> What do what they call Keith and uh, Mick? Yeah. The Glimmer Twins? Um, there's always that you look at them in opposition to each other and compare them to each other. But I'm really glad to hear that. I will send you this video. You're under no obligation to watch it. Okay. But it was basically about how Stacy's mom became like a problem for the band because Chris was like, I guess this is what we're doing now. I guess we're going to have hit songs now. Yeah, well, that's always the way. That's so nice to hear. And was yeah. he there for, for music things or just because he enjoyed cruises? He was, he was not there because he enjoyed cruises. I'm not sure that he did enjoy the cruise, but he Mm-mm. did enjoy making the musics. And, you know, it was early on in trying to figure out what that cruise was going to be. So I was like, are we nerds? Are we only going to have people that sing about robots? Or are we going to have cool, like cool handsome rock people? Handsome <laughs> and pirates. Uh, so, so it was like, you know, it was, uh, every, everybody liked Founds of Wayne, so. Uh, Yeah. Um, but what was the point of that? Oh, here's my question. Oh yeah. So one of those distinctions, um, if you can say, uh, your child has wanted to get her ears pierced for a long time. Is it, is it, um, is it that she wants to have had her ears pierced so that she can wear earrings? I mean, is she really looking forward to like how, like I was really, I was 19 when I got my ears pierced and I thought it was scary. Yeah. Well, I got my one ear. I got my I got the straight ear pierced. Sure, but sure. But the um, but but like, is it is it? Do you do you think it's main? Is it mainly a milestone thing? 
like I want to be old enough to drive kind of thing. I want to be old enough to like, you know, uh, 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 I'm not a Judaist, but like, you know, do, do something at Seder, like be able to like read from the book. Is it, is it a milestone thing or is it just a, a, like an aesthetic thing of like, I want to be able to wear earrings? So I I many the of the of the little uh, people in her life that have their ears pierced had them pierced when they were kids. So you so said, yeah, it yeah. doesn't feel so like she's a, behind. Yeah, it doesn't feel like a milestone. But she's very. She said to me the other day, very proudly, she because she, oh, we were driving and she said, "Would you like to know um, my assessment of all of my friends' style?" And I said, "Oh." Wow. I, I, I would like to hear it. And she started at the top, you know, she was like, well, Talia is very sophisticated and she wears the following colors and her, but I feel like, you know, the, uh, there's some aspect of it. That's kind of uh, mainstream, uh, mainstream, like fashion, mainstream, beautiful. And then she moved on to the next person. And she was like, now their style is kind of sporty, but this is already a very good presentation. Yeah, no, and she, in the sense of like she, she knew what she, I'm. I'm just saying like a lot of times people will say something like 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 I do right now. I'll go like, oh, there's this idea that's kind of been bouncing around in my head. Do you mind if I kind of just dribble words about it for ten minutes? And it sounds like she came in just short of a PowerPoint. Like she's ready. Well, and it, it just came out of nowhere. I mean, as we drive, as she and I drive in the car, there are you know there are times when we're in conversation. Yeah. But there are other times when someone takes the floor. Like this morning, we were driving that. to I the School that. of Rock, and we passed a, a shipping yard, and the gate was open. And on the inside of the gate, there was a big sign directed at the truck drivers that were coming out of you know uh, coming out of this yard. And the truck the big sign said, uh, "It may be." That at some point you, and this huge letters, the sign is five by five. Mm -hmm. It may be that at some point you will be trying to egress and then paren leave and paren mm -hmm. this yard in your truck and be greeted by a picket line. Um, or, you know, it said it's, it didn't say picket line. It said some other, you know, some other phrase labor action or something. Yeah. Something like that. And the, then the sign said. The, uh, those activists are entitled to block you for two minutes, but no more, but you are not entitled to gun your motor or aggressively like, uh, lurch at them. This is all, uh, it, wow. It's a lot for a sign. And was it clear who had put up the sign? Was it the people who run the yard? Yeah. It was the people who run the yard who Did, obviously. Was it official signage? It was a big, it was like a, it was a, it was, it had, it had been made by a professional sign company Okay. and it was a very large sign that was just giving the drivers the breakdown. Here's what you can do. Here's what you can't. So, so after two minutes, they're not allowed to impede your progress, but you have to sit there politely for two minutes and take their, you know, take them yelling at you about being a scab. Mm -hmm. And so we drive past this sign, but it, but it takes us long enough to go by it that she reads it. And then she said, you know, usually she'll say, what does that word mean? Or what does that mean? But she said, what did all of that mean? Cause I have no idea what any of those sentences meant because it was all using euphemistic, you know, labor, uh, and management sort of euphemistic language. And did, 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 did I mean, so what you're describing, it sounds like it feels long for a sign. It was very long. It's the for kind a of thing where like, if you read the fine print on your parking ticket about how this does not create a bailment and blah, 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 like yeah. kind of like, almost like fine text. It sounds like if could, could that have been put differently to not be as long? And she picked that up. Yeah. And it was three sentences long and it, and you know, like why they used egress and then paren leave instead of just using leave, you know, somebody was, somebody crafted the wordage of that sign and nobody edited them. Yeah, like um, they, somebody picked up, you know, a, a, a well-thumbed copy of Roger's Thesaurus, but then either either they or someone else didn't have the confidence. Like, why don't you just avoid egress and say exit? Well, I think what it was was they probably had a legal document in front of them. It might have uh, come down from higher management, and they're the local manager, and they were just like, okay, well, I got to use this legalese, but I also am trying to make a sign, mm -hmm. you know. Anyway, so she, so she turns to me and <laughs> she's like, sometimes working at cross purposes. Yeah. And she said, you know, what does all of that mean? 
And of course, yeah, my phrase might be like, oh, so what should I do differently now? <laughs> well, and, and she knew it wasn't directed at her. So it was, it was pointed into, because uh, we had already been talking on this drive about trucking. And she, I talk about trucking enough that she understands that trucks are a very important part of how the world works. And we, and trucks, and we're grateful for trucks, but also trucks are a pain in the ass. And yes. this is one of the things about life. Thank you, truck, for bringing cat food or right. televisions or whatever. The backbone also, of this country get, is the independent truck. That's what Steve Albini right. says. But also get the fuck out of the way, truck. You are being driven by a moron and I have places to be. Yeah, and they're so, like, like if know, cops had wheels. Yeah, we explore that that uh, dichotomy all the time. Okay. Well, so we're already going past a trucking yard. We're already talking about trucking. And she sees this sign. So I say, let me explain the labor movement to you. You took the floor. And I, I did. And I, okay. and I started all the way back in the 19th century. Eventually, you know, I went, I kind of went then further back after I'd been explaining Triangle shirtwaist factory fire, maybe? Yeah, and back to Marx and, and you know, mm. and just the power of the worker and so forth. And then forward through the labor movement of the mid-20th century. And I said, here's what a picket line is. Here is what a scab is. Here is what, you know, here is why we traditionally support organized labor. Here is what happened to organized labor in the 80s and 90s. And Remember when Reagan fired all the air traffic controllers? Yeah, I sure do. That was like the 9-11 of labor. Well, and there was all that Reagan era stuff like, you wonder why your K-car is badly made. Well, it's because of the damn unions. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my family, my dad was a union organizer, right? Right, but, right, right. But then as time went on, it was like, oh, now all this corrupt, so forth and so on. And I don't go into everything, but, you know, I take the floor. Yes. So she's used to that. Well, so she takes the floor and she goes down and describes nine of her friends in <gasps> pretty well thought out detail as far as like, here's where they're, here's their style. Okay. Here's where I think it comes from. And here are what I consider to be their blind spots in terms of their relationship to their own style. And she described there were. God, well, I would be tempted to just pull over. Well, you know, because I'm, you know, I'm listening. I'm looking at her in the rearview mirror. What you, you look at me? I, I would immediately be like, damn, kid. Yeah, you go. Well, and she had, she said, there are not one, but two girls who wear visors. As part of their personal style. You got to be careful. You don't, you don't, uh, you don't, you don't, uh, house somebody else's look. Well, and that, and she's, you know, and their visors where the, where the shade is colored clear plastic. So like one mm. girl has a green one and one girl has an orange one. Uh, but she, she did not accuse either girl of, of ripping off the other girl's style. She just said, this is kind of a thing, the visor. Mm -hmm. And so both of these girls have incorporated it into their style in a different way. Huh. But so her interest in getting her ears pierced is entirely to have another place of expression because she said very proudly, I think all my friends would agree that I have the most style. And I said, well, I'm, I'll accept that. I'll accept that on recognizance, right? Like, uh, see, it'd be we, one we, thing if she's, it'd be one thing if she said, it, it would already be a little stretch to say, like, the person who I regard as the most stylish, I'm pretty sure thinks I'm the most stylish. It's the all of my friends that makes that a, a bit of a swing. Yeah. And she does, you know, she does do that. She does say, like, well, in this case, everybody had an idea, but my idea was the <laughs> best idea. And I go, I'm sure it was darling, mm -hmm. but you know, I, I would like to hear more about how you, uh, how you didn't say that out loud. And then she's <laughs> like, well, I mean, it really needed saying, and I'm like, right. But tell me more about how you included everyone else's idea in your, in your deliberation. But, but all of this was happening because on Saturday, I, so I discovered here in Washington, this got to be true in California too, mm -hmm. up in the mountains, there are gem fields where, wow, this sounds like something from Adventure Time, where the gems are there in the ground to be gathered. And I Still? know this, 
Yeah, I know this is true in the in the in the central states in the desert southwest. There are places where you can go and pay five dollars and go in and just pick uh, gems up off the why ground. Why aren't you talking about bauxite and geodes though? Like we're talking about like big semi precious stones, maybe, or or well, something useful for industry. Um, well, a lot of crystals, mm-hmm. but also some amethysts. You know, wow, some like sure. But this is not a pay five dollars situation. This is just drive up to the pass, go up a logging road two miles under the old railroad trestle that has that's now like falling down, up past the four guys that are standing on the side of the road chewing tobacco, mm. pull over, go past the boulders, hike up a trail uh, a kilometer, and then just turn and go straight up the slope, which is a forested slope, and uh, you'll start to see holes that have been dug in the ground by other crazy people and just start digging a hole and start pulling out gems. It, and, it, is it? Wow. It's so fat. Is it? I mean, like I, I, all I know is what I've learned from TV shows, but like, you know, like Daniel the plane view wants to go out and like, see if there's any oil here or like, uh, the fancy lad, uh, with Mrs. Uh, what's her head in, um, Deadwood has to go out and reconnoiter his claim. Are these like known areas? It's, is uh, do you just do you just show up and then at what level of engagement or contract or do you say this is my gem area? Well, there are so I pull up, uh, I'm driving up there. There's some yeah. trucks on the side of the road. There's a guy that's a very dirty guy. He's a you know, he's probably <laughs> he's probably 55, but he looks 65. <laughs> and I and he's got a bunch of pickaxes in the back of his truck. So I pull up, I roll down, I roll down the window, and I'm like, hey, guy, what can you tell me? And the guy goes, what do you mean? What do I look like? And I was like, well, you look like a guy who's been mining some gems, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And he goes, he goes, what makes you think I know anything Maybe about that? Maybe you should that? have started by saying, hey, old timer. Hey, old timer. But mm-hmm. he was not that much older than me. Still, was, I'm in the vernacular. Yeah. Right. Hey, old timer. <laughs> and so eventually I get him talking. And he's like, well, if you go up this trail, then you come down on it. But if you go down that trail, you go up on it. I've been coming up here for a long time. I actually am from Maple Valley and I got Robert. And then you can't shut him up. Uh-huh. And he's telling me all about the, the gem field. And he's like, now there is a claim. There's a, there's a feller that's got a claim and he'll chase you off his claim. <laughs> there's a feller what's got a claim. There's a cl- feller what's got a claim. He'll chase you off his claim. Consonant. So you got to stay away from that. But if you go down this way, you know, and then climb up, you'll get, you won't be near his claim and you just, you just dig it. So, as, so we pull over, we get our stuff out, we head up the trail and we're walking. I got a shovel over my shoulder. She's got some garden tools. We got, you know, some buckets. We're walking along. Well, every 10 minutes, here comes someone else, some small group of people, two to four people carrying some, you know, sifters and, and pans and, and every one of them, of course, I stopped and said, How'd you do? How's the pickings? Mm-hmm. But you're being you know, right neighborly. That's right. And the thing is, you know, I worked on a gold mine when I was young, huh? And spent a lot of time up in Alaska, you know, dealing with miners, right? Because there's a lot of people up up there that are making a living pulling gold out of the streams and pulling, you know, whatever. They find all kinds of stuff out there. And so I know a little bit about the way miners talk, and of course, they all say. Ah, well, not so great. You know, it was really, their pockets could be full, bulging with gold. There's probably any number of reasons where you would not want to highlight how much stuff you found. Oh, yeah. My dad and I were flying one time and there was a little runway carved out of the, uh, carved out of the trees. We were up in the Yukon territory and, and. I don't remember what it was. I, maybe we had to pee, something like that. He was like, I'm going to put her down. And so. Oh, you're, you know, you're in, you're in an airplane. We're in a, we're in his little plane. Okay. We've, we turn around, we, you know, we circle back over this little dirt strip, no one around and we, we bring it in and dad, you know, dad loved to land on a sandbar or whatever. And he puts the plane down and we, you know, we kind of are taxing toward the end of the runway to the forest. And a guy steps out of the forest, cradling a shotgun. Good boy. And dad goes, well, we're not going to stick around here. And he flips the tail around and off we go. And that was clearly like, 
somebody mining a claim up there that didn't want us coming around peeing. Maybe, maybe he thought you were some of them pesky revenueers. We probably were. That's exactly mm-hmm. right. He was like, if you don't have, if your plane doesn't say a uh, state trooper on it, then you better get. Keep, keep flying. But so at a certain point, my daughter is like, you got to talk to everybody. You got to talk to everybody. Oh, boy. Oh, John. You they sh- they should start a support group. And I'm like, yeah, I got to talk to everybody. We're going to get some tips and tricks here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is a public gem searching area. It's not like anybody's protecting their <laughs> claim, right? It's they're not, not, it's not like, private property or something. No, they're not like, I'm not going to tell you, but they're gem hunters. So just naturally they're like, well, didn't get much, you know, but pretty thin, slim pickings. Mm-hmm. But we get there, we climb up the hill, we start digging a hole, we start sifting through stuff. We go, we found a little patch in the trees where the sun was shining. So if you sift the dirt and you find something, it'll, it'll, it'll shimmer. glisten. Yeah. yeah. It'll glisten. And we got a little, you know, we got a little can full of gems and she, but, but, I mean, we, we but, 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 you're clearly like, forgive my saying tourist gem hunters. Oh yeah. Yeah. We're just a couple of, you were just a couple of city folk. We're, you're we're, cradling nothing. We're Chichacos, you know? Oh, but we did get one amethyst in the group of, and you know, and it's not some high grade amethyst that's going to make us any money. That's why while we're doing it, uh-uh. it's just that she's a fancy lass uh-huh. and love. She has a little collection of precious rocks. I mean, she, which extends of course, to seashells and, and stuff she picks up on the beach, beach glass and whatnot. She, she's basically like a crow collector. Yeah, exactly. And, but she's also that way, I think with jewelry and Jemmy jewelry, mm-hmm. like Merlin, what is your, what, what month were you born? November. November. So your oh, birth I, stone, I want to say Topaz. It is Topaz. Okay. It is Topaz. Is that which, for all months, John? It's not, it's not like the signs of the, of the, uh, of the, of the astronomy. Oh. Um, okay. So for the it's whole month, month it's Topaz. Okay. Yeah. It's just a month. And, uh, and, um, apparently also pearls. There are a lot of, there are a lot of birthstones, like my birthstone. you know how that's stone. established, John? Is there, is there like a, uh, is there like an, you know, uh, engineering commission or some kind of a international community that decides the months that get certain gems? It goes back a long time, back to the 15th century. <gasps> Ooh. And there are some, it seems like I'm born in September. It's Sapphire and it's always been Sapphire as far as anybody knows. Oh, are these going to be like wedding things where you're like, oh, first anniversary's uh, paper and stuff like that. Yeah, that type of thing. But there are others where it's like, I hmm. think April was always diamond, but now they've flipped it around and it's got sapphire and May is emeralds, but it's got agates and all this stuff. They, they keep changing everything because, you know, they just can't leave it alone. No, and it's, if it's anything like the De Beers people, you know, they, they have a, an unseen hand. In a lot of things, uh, so it's, it's like Hallmark and Mother's Day, the beers and diamonds. There's these certain kinds of like rackets where there's this thing that they've managed to socialize—not in the usual sense of socialize, but where they've gotten culture to sort of adopt this idea that, that it's always been this certain way. But then yeah. sometimes they want to change it up a little bit. Maybe they got a little extra amethyst, so they give it a week or something. Yeah, they get, they got they, it's amethyst week. Yeah, amethyst the, week. The beers. Yeah, you should spend you know whatever half your uh, half your salary on that. Do you, you don't wear any kind of adornment? Is that right? No, I don't. I've got right now. I've got an Apple Watch, Apple Watch. and mm-hmm. my father's wedding ring, which is now my wedding ring. Oh, that's nice. So you do have a ring. I do have a ring. I don't think I'm a an adornment guy. I wore. I had a, after I got baptized. I got a, a cross oh, uh, yeah. of our risen Lord. I had yes. that. I've had. See, I never even had puka shells. I had the earring when I was 19, my ill-advised earring. Um, but no, I'm not an adornment guy. Definitely, you know what? I'm definitely not, if I could say it. I, again, I don't want to offend anybody. I'll tell you what I'm not as a thumb ring guy. No, that's tough. A thumb ring's pretty tough. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I, that, that's like showing up in Adidas shower shoes. I mean, yeah. get some mace and run the other way. I, I tried many times, right? In the, in the 1970s. You're, you try things on. Yeah, I try. I tried it. I in the seventies, I wore a puka shell necklace, and then in the eighties, I wore friendship bracelets for a while. Family serves. You are wearing puka shells in that Western State Hurricanes uh, local access show. Correct, correct. Because my sister in the nineties got me some puka shells when she was living in Hawaii, 
and I wore them both out of respect for her and ironically. That's the, and, that is the ultimate 90s reason for doing something. Yeah, but then also on top of ironically, mm-hmm. I wore them because that gave me pleasure. And I got so much shit for it. People were like, a really puka shell necklace? Mm. And I was like, shaka bra? Yeah, aloha. It was, yeah, it was a concept, but it was like a lot. It was like all the glasses frames I wore in the 2000s. I look back at it now and I'm like, well, that was just dumb looking. You you were trying to do something. You were trying to make some kind of some statement. People, but- I think you did a nice job. But I think about somebody like Jeff Goldblum. Whoever, I, I don't know if he does his own, you know, uh, adornment, but like yeah. he, he's got, he's fun. He, he's having fun with clothes. He's having yeah. fun with jewelry. He's, he seems like he's just having fun. I could be getting it wrong. There, no. but there, see, I'm the kind of guy where like I couldn't even get my one of my my bet noir at a certain point in the late 70s, early 80s was I really wanted, if I had to bring it down to one person, not Leif Garrett, probably Andy Gibb, but I really wanted parted in the middle feathered hair. And yep. I had, I had no, I did not have the culture, the technology, or the tools to even begin to know how to do it. But like, I wanted that so You needed much. a goody comb. Well, I just didn't know. First of all, I didn't even know what cut to get where it would feather. So like, I'm, ju- I'm dealing with a home haircut here. Yeah. I'm basically, I'm like, uh, you know, uh, not Mo Green, the guy from the Stooges. I got like a soup bowl haircut yeah. and, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to, you know, rock a gib. And you're over here like, no soup, no soup. No soup, and then not me. But um, I, every time I've tried an adornment, I feel like it looks like I'm a guy trying an adornment. Yeah. I, I, I really- you, I you, tr- you do well with it. I tried rings. I was on it a is. train one time in, in, uh, in Italia, mm. and there was somebody in my train car that I got talking to, you know, because you got to talk to everybody. Hey, what's your story? Hey, fella. Mm-hmm. And uh, this fellow was from Firenze, and Firenze, and I, and, I, and I said, "Oh, I like your ring," because he had three rings that were intertwined, and he said, "Oh, this is a rolling ring," you know. So he had some Italian word for it, and it's three rings, and when you put it on and take it off, they kind of roll over each other, like, like it's a. Uh, it's a little, it's a little device. Oh, like almost. it's got ball bearings or something. Yeah, but it's just three rings. It's just that they're inter, they're almost like a, like a. That like sounds a, like dark magics. It was. It's a little dark magic, and I watched him do roll the ring on and off, and I was like, oh, I got to get one of those. Oh, he's stimming. Yeah, it's like a little fiddle toy. Yeah. Yeah. So I went. So when I was in Firenze. Firenze. I went uh, to the uh, to the bridge over the Arno where they where they do the jewelry, and I was like, I got to get one of these. And they were like, Well, in gold it costs, and then some number that was insane. And I was like, Oh, right, things are expensive, and gold mm-hmm. costs money, and I don't have any money. Mm-hmm. But then I later, bet they saw you coming. Yeah, they well they saw me, and they were like, Americans have money, and I was like, Ah, not this one. But later, I was at one of those street fairs where where people from Greece put blankets out in the middle of the, uh, the town square and they sell you all, all kinds of little leather pouches and whatnot. For oh, sure. And one of them was a silver Smith and there was a, a silver rolling ring. And oh, I, I think I'd like that better. Yeah. And I put it on and it fit me <gasps> and it was like $15. You're the queen's at Satarac. And I was like, $15. I I don't have $15. And they were like $10. And I said, it's, and it's silver, it is silver, you know? And I was like, I'll take it. And I wore that silver ring for a long time. And it, cause it was, it was a fidget, mm-hmm. but then, you know, it kind of, I don't know. It slipped off into a box one day. And right now I got nothing. I n- no, I'm, I'm wearing nothing at all. I'm in my, I'm in my birthday suit. Yeah. I, I feel like uh, this is something that makes more sense for you because you are so much more willfully, happily, gregariously engaged in that aspect of culture, which mm. is things like what kinds of clothes, what was the uniform of the day, what clothes will I wear? And I, I'm saying saying this neither to like you know polish your cherry nor to diminish mine, mm. but like I just I like right now actually I'm that guy right now. I'm wearing my own podcast T-shirt right now. But like, uh, that's what I wear. I wear a podcast (laughs) t-shirt. It's a new shirt. It's a good shirt. Um, But um, uh, I wear, like, it's just not a big part of my presentation. Um, And and which is not to say that it doesn't have a meaning, because that's how culture works, 
right. that like even the things or even or especially the things that we don't think about doing have significance. But like the way that uh, a, a phrase that I think has passed possibly from this program into other parts of the podcast universe is trying on an idea mm. like a jacket, mm -hmm. something mm -hmm. you said a couple times. But like you, that seems like a big part of your whole deal is trying things on. Not even, so like where I would try something on to say like, oh gosh, I really hope I look like this person in Tiger Beat magazine. You seem much more likely to try something on just to try something on, I, I feel like. And it's not, and it doesn't, it isn't necessarily a failure if it didn't work because that's part of the process for you. Whereas I'm more like, there's other things I will do. Like I'm like with maybe historically with music or today with TV and movies, that part of culture. But like, I just don't, I don't think I adorn myself very much. And I, I kind of admire that you do. Yeah. I, I, Even if you don't have anything on right now, that's fine. You, you can always take it off. You can. Yeah. That's <laughs> like key. a knuckle tattoo. That's know? key. And you know, and I do, I, I, when I, when I, I find rings or something, or if I find a ace of spades on the ground, I'll carry it in my wallet for a couple of weeks or whatever. But, but I just saw a tarot card, uh, not too long ago. Are you carrying it in your wallet? No, it was a little bit wet. Um, but mm. I, I've got it over here. It's like the three of mashed potatoes or something. I really don't you, know anything about you it. You know what they say if a three of mashed potatoes is wet. That's oh, wait. A whole other uh, thing uh, uh, three of mashed potatoes is wet. Sailors regret. That's exactly potatoes it. Potatoes be dry. <laughs> uh, touch on my thigh. I one don't of, remember. One of the, the things traits. that I've always been curious about in, in uh, men's jewelry, mm -hmm. jewelry. Yeah, I, that, I, I, always, I always struggle with that. It feels anti-Semitic and incorrect. <laughs> to you say know, it properly. Jewelry. Oh, oh, I wouldn't have gotten that. They're Thank jewelers. You. Thank you for walking me through mm -hmm. it. But men use it to uh to display wealth, you know, to to say, here is, you know, it's a Rolex, David. You know, you put something on and you go, Yeah. Uh uh. Uh, that it's a Rolex. You David get a big story. fat wife with long fingernails, so you can show like how successful you are. Exactly. My wife eats a lot and doesn't need to work. You know what and I mean. He, and then you get you get you some uh, get you some uh, some rotating thumb rings. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. It's it's a Sopranos thing, but also you know Brad Pitt's always got some expensive thing on. It's in a subtle, subtle. Um, yeah. But but that thing, you know, the hip hop thing where you've got something that is that's made of a precious metal. And there's so much of it that the thing itself is heavy and the weight of it, even if you're not, even if it's not like bedecked with jewels, it's, there's enough gold in the thing. I know what you're talking about. I, when I showered this morning, um, I have a special affection for the first four tracks on uh, Raising Hell to mm, this day, uh -huh. which, um, boy, I, Rick Rubin did a really nice job with that. I mm -hmm. hope he gets the credit for he does. Making, well, because, you know, like, I think he made, didn't he also do the previous one, the one with Rockbox? But, like, he, I, there's something to the way they, their rapping to, left to its own devices could be kind of thin, but they end up doing this almost like a harmony when they rap. Uh-huh. On stuff like, um, on stuff like, it, you know, like, hey, it's tricky to rock or rhyme, that's right on time, it's tricky. It's How tricky. How we say But then, but then tricky, one kind of, like, hey, it's huh. tricky to rock or rhyme, to rock or rhyme, and they do that, it's almost like a harmony. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was thinking about, uh, from that time, I believe they wore heavy gold things. Yes. I know, as you say, faux shizzle, that Eric B. and Rakim did, Rakim is saying, they were very into that. Yes. Uh, Flavor Flav had a timepiece. He did. But like he had a big clock. that's what you're talking about here. Like this is heavy. We're talking about like a, a big old piece of uh, of signification. I think the weight of it is, is yeah. significant because you because you feel it. Right? If I had a Tony Award, I, I really or an Emmy, I, I would wear it. You just wear it around your neck. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And I think I think that you know, like I don't have that, but. But I, you know, you look at Keith Richards and you're like, oh, you look like a, you, I mean, you know, like you look like a real mess, but the mess. He looks is like he's something. his own department in a Goodwill. Yeah, exactly. He looks like he's, if you look through, if you, he, if look, you he looks up, like a department at a Goodwill called Odds and Ends. You go up to the counter and it's all under glass, but it's like the craziest kind of assortment. Oh, of you can get, remember, uh, John, do you remember the, uh, circa early 80s, late 70s, actually, probably late 70s? Remember the Italian horn? The Italian horn. Do you remember this? I bet John Syracuse used to have one of these. It was this necklace guys, the Italian guys would oh, get. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What is that? I think it's a sex thing. 
The horn. It's, I think it's a it's a 15 years later version of Austin Powers' male symbol, probably. I'll find out about the Italian horn. Yeah, figure out what the Italian horn is. But that kind I, of thing. But Keith Richards, but yeah, and obviously the joke being, which is not a joke, is that I think his look was inspiration for Johnny Depp's Pirate Man. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think there was a time when I Dang, had enough, Very dangly. I had enough friendship bracelets that had been made by friends because it was I a thing I did wear those. 80s, I, I right? made and wore those I made in college. You a friendship yes. bracelet. Oh, I love of course those. I'll wear it. And then, oh, and then I had a girlfriend who gave me a, a black crystal on a, uh, on a pendant. A black crystal. A black crystal. And I wore that for a while, a black crystal. Talk about blood magics. And then I had, I got some leather friendship bracelets in Spain and one of them stayed on for years. And when it rots off, that means the friendship's over, right? Well, or something. I mean, mm -hmm. when it rotted off, I was like, oh yeah, who was that? Who even gave me that? I don't remember. It had been on me for so long. But I don't know. What's my next jewel? Daniel Lorca what's it going to be? Gave it to you. Daniel, it was before Daniel, but yeah, that's the type of thing Daniel would have given me in 1989 if I'd known him. <laughs> Could you roll down the window? It's really smoky. <laughs> <laughs> 